We're so happy you've joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Send us your story to pastor at relevant316.com. If you want to support this ministry financially, hop on our website at relevant316.com. There you'll find different giving options to suit your needs. Once again, thanks so much for joining us today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your word changes us, your word transforms us. We ask that you would speak to our hearts today. May may you give us new ways of seeing life in you, life through you. And God, we also lift up all the other churches that are preaching your word this morning. We lift up Sandals Church, Harvest, the Rock Church and World Outreach Center, Citizens Church, Emmanuel Baptist, Magnolia Baptist, the Grove Church, Generations Church. Thank you so much for all the different churches that you have put in this area and around the world to proclaim the name of Jesus and to see people's lives transformed. We ask that if any would call upon your name, that they may be saved. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone shouts. Amen. Amen. I come from a very ambitious family, like ambitious, ambitious. My, my father, some of you, um, uh, you hear me talking about my father. My parents uh, are from Southeast Africa. My father was born in the most abject poverty you could think of. Uh, he didn't have a pair of shoes until he went to college. And even thinking about college, he's probably, the other, a few months ago, I was actually having a conversation with him. I said, Dad, how many people of your generation's went through school, graduated high school, went on and got doctorate degrees, and he said, I'm the only one from my village. Actually, he said, I'm the only one from my village. And I asked him, I said, what set you apart? He said, I had drive, I had ambition, I knew that I could do it. If you put it in front of me, I could do it. Now, the thing about it is that, like, you know, sometimes when you live in an environment where everything is sort of just given to you, it's, it's very difficult to, to hear someone speak about ambition. But God has given us ambition. He's given us an instinct to increase. Are you with me? He puts Adam and Eve in the garden and he tells them, he gives them one commandment. He says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply because God is a creator. He makes you creative and he wants you to do something with your life. Are you all with me? So I come from an ambitious family. I wish that, 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 I, that God had, I mean, my, my father's ambition had dripped a little bit more in my life. But, but my children, my goodness, I married an ambitious woman. My wife, don't play any sport, any game with my wife. She will cut you to win. She will do whatever it takes. She may not even know the rules of the game or how to play the game, but her drive is to win. She's ambitious. The other day, my son, Zion, four years old, it's strange. I don't even know where he got this from, but he loves EDM music. He loves electronic dance music. You come to my house, and you just find him in front of the TV. I'm like, what are you doing? My house just sounds like this. I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? Where did he get this from? So I'm like, all right, you like to dance, son? He's like, yeah, I'm a good dancer. I'm a good dancer, daddy. I'm like, I can, I can dance too. You want to see some of daddy's moves? He's like, yeah, show me what you can do. So I'm here showing him Roger Rabbit, you know, running man. You know, I'm doing all the dances from the 90s, and he's just looking at me like. So I'm like, son, what do you think about my dancing? He says, it's okay, but I dance better than you, daddy. 
I'm like, well, can you do the running man? He says, no, but when I'm bigger, I'll dance better than you. And then he says this. He says, and anyways, God dances better than you. I'm like, oh, how do you argue with that? Then he says, but I want to get bigger, and I'm going to dance better than you, and I'll dance better than God, too. I'm like, ambition, okay, okay. Hold your horses, son. Ambition. Ambitious kids. The thing about ambition is that sometimes ambition can be seen as a negative thing. You ever been around someone and say, oh, that person's so ambitious? It's code for we don't like being around them. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Today, Paul, through the book of Philippians, through the Holy Spirit, is, is trying to teach us something concerning our ambition. Our ambition in life, our ambition in work, our ambition in our leisure activities, our ambition, the things that drive us, the things that make us happy, the things that we want to find comfort in. Our ambition. He says this in verse, chapter 4, verse 11. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned. Everyone say, I have learned. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned. Everyone say, I have learned. The secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things. Come on, somebody. This is the one that everyone knows. People that aren't even Christian know this verse. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? When you're getting ready to climb Mount Rubido at 5 o'clock in the morning, when everyone else is asleep, when you're barely even a Christian yet, I'm talking about myself. You look up at that mountain, you're like, am I even going to make it up there? Just say to yourself, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen, somebody. Right? When you're getting ready to go on that job interview and you, you don't know everything, you don't know if you're gonna, how it's going to turn out, you say to yourself, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? It gives you that, 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 like that assurance that, that you can do this thing. Why? Because Christ strengthens me. I can do anything. There's, there's nothing that is impossible. You can speak to the mountain. And I want to tell you something. That's not what the verse is for. I am about to jack your mind up. I just made that up right there. That's a good song. The verse is not talking about that. And I know we, every athlete, you know, you, you, they're interviewing them after the, after the game. Do you ever, have you ever noticed that every interview after a game is the same? So, uh, Mr. Johnson, what do you think, how did the game go for you? Well, you know, I, I'll give an honor to God who's had my life. I just, you know, uh, we, got, we came together and we just, you know, we put our team together and, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Almost every football, basketball interview, answer, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's the one who gives give. it's like It's like it becomes this thing, this catchphrase that motivates you, that drives you, that gives you strength. But Paul is not talking about that. He's talking about how we handle our ambition and our disappointments. How we handle our ambition, the things that we desire, the things that drive us, versus the reality of what life hands us. Ambition. 
people think ambition is negative. If you watch movies like The Wolf of Wall Street, you see what, what ambition does to a person. If you watch the movie back, I'm going old school right now. Remember Wall Street with Michael Douglas? Ambition. You, you think about movies like Blow and, and the, how the little kid became a drug dealer. It's like ambition. Ambition uh, drove place, people to these places. And so sometimes there's, there's this negative thing with ambition. And sure enough, in James 3 verse 13, it tells us that selfish ambition will drive people to, to, into places of jealousy, places of discontent, constant discontentment, uh, 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 rivalries, striving for the wrong things. Exploitation comes from selfish ambition. And in Jeremiah 45 verse 5, Jeremiah says, if you seek to be great for yourself, if you seek great things for yourself, seek them not. Stop it. Jeremiah says. But however, you also see that nothing happens in Scripture without ambition. It was ambition that drove David, King David, to increase and expand the kingdom of Israel. It was ambition that drove Solomon to build God's temple. It was ambition that, that drove Nehemiah to go and rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. It was ambition that made Paul write two-thirds of the New Testament and become the greatest missionary of that time. It was ambition. As a matter of fact, Paul says, I, I desire, my ambition is to make Jesus known. In all the words. That's ambition. In John chapter 2, verse 17, you find uh, John writing this about Jesus. It says, it says and, and, and he was talking about Jesus, and he was eaten up with zeal for his father's house. The word zeal is simply saying he had so much ambition for his father's house. Now, the thing is this, that we don't need to get rid of ambition we need to redeem ambition. We need to redeem and, 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 and refocus our ambition. Yes, it's true that selfish ambition destroys nations. Selfish ambition destroys economies. Selfish ambition drives dictators to start wars. But we need to redeem godly ambition. Ambition that's focused on the right things. Are you guys with me this morning? And, and okay, soapbox. I hate, don't, don't get mad at me, I hate how everyone wants to make life fair for everyone. Gets on my nerves. They want to give trophies to everyone for participating. No! I want, I, if my kid did not win, I want him to, I, I didn't, I, I didn't win. I didn't get the trophy. Good. I don't want to get, I don't want everyone to receive a blue ribbon. When I was growing up, a blue ribbon mean, meant that you did something. Not everyone can, you know, we have the National Honor Society and these guys are an honor roll, but all the other kids that didn't do their work, well, they get a certificate of, of being in class. Get out of here. It's as if people are trying to get rid of ambition so much that it makes people become entitled. Entitled. Let me tell you something. Entitlement, entitlement mentality is the ultimate adversary of godly ambition. Are you all with me? 
So, my goal in this message is, is, is my hope is that you become more ambitious, not less. I want you to become more ambitious. Ambitious for the right reasons, with the right focus. thing is this, that if you hang out with me long enough or short enough, you'll discover that I am the worst person to complain to about life circumstances. Oh, it's so hard. I can't get a job. I can't do this. I... And I'll look at you like, can you walk? Can you do a little dance? Can you twirl a sign? You can get a job. Hey, man, I just hurt somebody right now. Hey, man. Like, you know. can, 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 don't, don't come to me and say you, you, that, that, this, this, that this society is not allowing you to, to, to make it in this, on this planet. No, I know what keeping it real really looks like. You live in America. You know what that means? America is easy. I heard one of my mentors, Jim Rohn, say, America is easy. You have never heard anybody say, man, by the time we get to Cambodia, life will be good. You've never heard anyone trying to sneak into Haiti. If you live in this, in this country, God has given you an advantage. You need to understand that and embrace that. And know that you have, you, he's, he's, he's put you in a place where you can achieve more for his glory to impact people in Cambodia. Are you following me? Hang out with me. You'll find that. The other day, yeah, just, just some, uh, <laughs> the other day, my, my wife, we had things going on. And I was like, babe, I want us to go look at houses. And so she was like, why? Well, we're not looking for a house. I was like, yeah, we need, a, we need a new house. You're pregnant with our fourth child. Your parents like to come here like every other month. My parents like to come here every other month. Sometimes they're here at the same time. Oh, we don't recommend that for anyone. Then we have other friends who come in from out of town. We've had friends who called the day before. Hey, we're flying in. Guest room ready? Uh, yeah. Like, it's just are the nature of our life. We're always entertaining people. We're always hosting people. I think we need a bigger home. So I took her to this house. Man, was it a house? It was a house. So my wife is just kind of looking around. And, smile, and I know my wife's smile. She just has that smile of like, Negro. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go along with it. But, <laughs> you know, the realtor's like, and let me show you this other room. And, and she's just kind of like, So the realtor's like, yeah, so it's come down about $300,000 in price. She's like, $300,000. <laughs> How much is it now? Two hundred? dollars like, no, still, still about a million. We need a bigger house because we, we, we want to serve more people. We're constantly serving people. As a matter of fact, if I can, can, I, can I take some time on this? I remember when we were first looking to buy our first house. We were looking at another house, and that house fed, it was like, you know, it was just me and her. I was like, yeah, this would be just good for you and me. And if we have one more kid, one kid, this would be good for us. And then right at the last minute, like, no, this won't work because of how many people come here for regroups, how many people come here for meetings, how many people we entertain and host. We need something bigger. 
So he took the plunge into something bigger. And guess what? We're out of room. Amen? So I was like, babe, I got to show you where we need to go. Ambition. Are y'all following me? As a matter of fact, in my life, and, and, and don't send me hate mail, email, whatever like that, because none of y'all are going to pay for this. Trust me. You're not going to pay for my house. But I am going to get a Lambo. And it's not going to be coming from you. Let me tell you why I'm going to get a Lambo. Well, I, I don't even like Lamborghinis. Maybe I'll just rent it for a while. <laughs> but I'll tell you why. I remember everyone in my life, both in ministry and in business, I have, whenever I'm around environments of people who are playing at a, lo- a larger level, and I look at their life and I get to know them, I'm like, man, if this guy could do this, and he's dumb, I'm just a little bit smarter than him. I can do it too, right? When I get my Lambo, the license plate's going to say, dumb people can do it too. Just to inspire somebody, amen somebody. Don't worry, you won't be paying for it. It's not the Christmas offering, it's not going to my Lambo. I want to find some clients who will pay me big money. <laughs> amen. Amen, amen. And I've not received permission from the wife, so it may not happen. But when you're ambitious for the right reasons, for the right focus, it changes everything. We as a church, what we're trying to accomplish here as a church is ambitious. Being in this building is ambitious. Some, some, some people say, we're in this building, but there's plenty of empty seats. Why are we here? Because we are ambitious and we're believing that every one of those empty seats will be filled up with a soul that needs Jesus. We're ambitious. People will sit down and say, well, what's, the, what's the vision of the church? Where are we trying to go? And, and, and sometimes I don't want to scare people, Nicole. And I'll tell them, like, well, we want to plant more churches. In my heart, I want to plant a thousand churches, a thousand churches. A thousand churches. Now, now, it might be that we as a church plant a thousand, or maybe we only plant a hundred churches. But if you plant a church through relevant church, you're required to plant ten of your own. So that we get to our thousand one way or the other. Amen, somebody. We're ambitious. There are 300,000 people in Riverside. 300,000 people. How many of them are in church on a Sunday morning? Not even half. Not even 20%. But I'm asking God for 10% to belong to a relevant church. There are 2 million people in the Inland Empire. I'm believing God that 200,000 will have a personal connection to relevant church. I've made fun of Hemet long enough. I'm believing to put a church in, in, in Hemet. A church in, because my brother Eric travels every Sunday from Hemet. I'm like, yo, why can't we just dispatch him as a missionary there and put relevant there? Are y'all following me? We have a big heart to see this come. That is ambition. That is godly ambition. The way I think about it, I'm like, the other day I was driving down on university and I took a left on Chicago. I was driving around the neighborhoods and I saw some kids playing. And I thought to myself, man, I wish I could buy out an ice cream truck and just drive around the neighborhood and just say, free ice cream. Free ice cream. Why? Because Jesus loves you. Buy, out a, buy a food truck. And that becomes our food truck ministry. We're, we're, we're not giving them government cheese on the food truck. 
some of you are like, what's government cheese? That's cardboard and other ingredients that are not cheese-related, but they look cheese-like. And people eat them, and after many, many years of eating them, they turn 40 years old and they have a twitch because of the government cheese. But what if we bought it? What if we had a, a food truck that served good food and you just drove around, like, you know, downtown where people are working, just parked and said, free, it's on us because God loves you. Get some gourmet burgers because we've got some good chefs here at Relevant. Amen? What if we, what if, like I've always told people this, what if the church, beginning with us, can start a new, rep, start a new reputation for the church where people know that churches are on the give and not on the take? What, what if? Well, those are the things that are in my heart. And that's ambition. That's zeal. I want you to have that type of zeal for building God's house in the Inland Empire. That type of ambition for building, making the name of Jesus famous all around us. Amen. Now the thing is this, ambition is not a personality type. It's not a personality. Oh, that person's ambitious, but I'm not like that. I'm not like that person. I'm like, you know, I like to keep things low-key. Here's the thing about it, Angela. If you have an ambition to have coffee in the morning, guess what? That's ambition. If you want to be comfortable, if you want the temperature to be a certain way, that's called ambition. If you don't have any desires or any wants for anything, you are dead. And we are ambitious to, bu- to bury you. So Philippians. The Apostle Paul wants to show us what ambition looks like in God. And he writes... I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I have learned in every situation I am to be content. I have learned in every situation content. Every situation content. Every situ- I have learned in every situation, content. I have learned in every situation, content. Because on Monday you're going to get depressed because of something your boss says, and I want you to remember this rap. I have learned in every situation, content. I have learned... In every situation. When they dump you. And now you're single again. But you're just going crazy on Instagram. Talking about, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. And now they dumped you. And you have to go back and and say, now single again. And everyone will know. I have learned. In every situation. Content. When they fire you. After you trained up your replacement, I have learned in every situation. I want that to be the soundtrack of your life whenever you go through it. I have learned in every situation. Content. 
I have learned in every situation. Content. Kanye. I have learned in every situation. Content. We can do all styles today. <laughs> I've learned in every situation. Content. Good times. Content. Hard times. Content. See, see, the thing is this. You have to put this into perspective. The Apostle Paul, his ministry at this point has not taken a good turn. It's on a downturn. It's on a downturn. He, he has grown a ministry. He has a churches in Galatia, churches in Ephesus, churches in Philippi, churches all throughout Asia. He has churches that he has established, and they've grown and grown and grown, and now he finds himself in prison. He's in prison. His churches are out there. And he's in prison in Rome, not knowing what's going to happen in his life. While he's in solitary confinement in prison, chained up to a prison guard, he receives reports that people that he brought up in ministry are talking bad about him. Content. 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 He's, he's, he's finding out that not only are they taking credit for the things that he built up, I don't know if I'm talking to anybody here, for the things that he built up, and they're taking credit for it and then blaming him for everything that's wrong. Sounds like presidents. That's what happens in politics. It's true. I remember when George W. Bush was president, everyone was like, oh, George W. Bush. Then Obama became president, and in day one, they gave him a Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, he's, got, he's got very uncomfortable right now. I want it to be uncomfortable, this tension. And they gave him credit for things that GW did. And he blamed everything that was wrong. And then the new guy, I won't say his name, <laughs> becomes president. And immediately, like, you know, he steps into office and the economy's great. Oh, my goodness, he's done a great job. I've done a great job. Blames the other guy, Right? Taking credit for all that's good and blaming the other guy. That's what's happening to Paul right now. Other people are taking credit for everything he's done. What do you do when other people take credit for the work that you've done? I have learned in every situation content. What do you do when they, when they, when they start spreading lies about you disparaging your character, running your name in the mud. He's being trashed where he's at right now. But he's like, I've learned in every situation, I am to be content. Paul is in very discouraging circumstances. The ministry is on a decline. He's losing popularity. His work is becoming undone. He is in prison and he can't do anything about it. If you're taking notes, as a matter of fact, I require you today to take notes on this. Because this is the secret that will change everything for you. 
we become discontent when things are not turning out the way that they're supposed to be. We become discontent when things are not turning out the way that they're supposed to be. When our ambitions are not being fulfilled, that's when we become discouraged. When our ambitions become unfulfilled, that's when we we start feeling discouraged. And so we start saying things like this, by now, after I have served in kids' ministry, after I've served as a greeter, after I've, I've done regroup, after I've done all these things set up and tear down for the last few years, I should be in a leadership position. That doesn't happen. I'm talking about other churches. That doesn't happen here. After I've, I've trained so many people for this company, worked so hard, taught everyone, and, 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 and everyone that I'm, I'm training, they get the VP position, the middle management, and here I am, still in the mailroom. I have learned in every situation. I should be making way more money than I'm making right now. I should be way further in my career that I am right now. I am 32 years old and I have not been on a date for five years. Lord, the clock's ticking. I've always wanted kids, but I have no dates. I have learned in every situation I should have traveled the world by now. I should have gone to these places. I should be more established than I am right now. Now, now here's what I'll submit to you. Those desires are not wrong desires. It's not wrong for you to think that way. As a matter of fact, sometimes that could be a sign of spiritual maturity. Why do I know this? Paul desired to make the name of Jesus known. And whenever he was constricted by circumstances, he would get discouraged by them, but he would not despair in them. How how we respond, this is a heavy one right here. If it's not for you, fine, it's, it's for me. But I think it's for you. How we respond when our ambitions are disappointed, reveals whether they were from God or whether they were selfish. If your life is destroyed because your hopes and dreams get dashed, that wasn't spirit-led. That was self-led. Go Philippians. 11, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know, everyone say I know, how to be brought low and I know how to abound. I know how to abound. 
Well, when you get the contract that you've been hoping for, working so hard for, you're abounding. When, when, you, when you get that promotion that you've been, you've been longing for, you've been studying for, you've been doing all the diligent work for, you're abounding. When, when you get that raise, that, that, you know, that, that extra raise that just changes everything for your family, you are abounding. When, when you finally, after five years of being single, not getting a single date because you stopped dating people on Craigslist, hello somebody, and you finally meet that person, and they're not crazy, and they have a job, and they have good credit. Why do, they ha- why do you know? Because you checked it before you went out on the date. You're abounding when, 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 when you finally, after years and years of trying to get pregnant, you get pregnant. Or after years of counseling, the marriage takes a turn for the better. You're abounding in life. Is good. We love it when we're abounding. We love it. You, you, you meet people, churchy people, man. Growing up, I, I remember you go to church and, and it's like you, there's always that one person that's always blessed. How are you, Brother Johnson? Oh, I'm blessed. God is good all the time. God is good. I, I, I knew a guy who made up a who would sing it. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. God. And he'd like look at you and like expect you to sing with him. God is good all the time. And you're just kind of like, this is why I don't bring my friends to church. Some of you are thinking, this is why I don't bring people to this church too. (laughs) What happens when life goes to crap? Go keep it real in church. What do you do? Where's your praise when life is not working? Where's your praise when the people that you're serving in ministry with are getting on your last nerves, Pastor Scott? (laughs) What do you do when you have to deal with difficult individuals, difficult personalities, when you're brought Low. When you get low, what, what do you do? When you face failure, you're being brought low. When, you, when you're overlooked for the promotion, you're being brought low. When you, when you get dumped and they tell you, it's not you, it's me. And you've heard that before way too many times. You start thinking, maybe it's me and they're lying. You're being brought low. What do you do when, when, when you're trying to do what the Bible says? It says, ask and you shall receive, knock, and, and, and the doors will be open. And, and you went to some Bible camp where they told you that the, the verse means that you just have to keep on knocking. And you've been knocking and knocking and knocking. And your knuckles are bleeding from knocking and knocking and nothing happening. What do you do when you're being brought low? How do you respond to those circumstances? Why? And you ask yourself, why is this door shut? I am qualified, Tommy. I've been faithful, Tommy. I'm prepared. I've worked for this. I've got the track record. My my resume speaks for itself. And you look at God and say, God, what's wrong with me? Better yet, what's wrong with you? You said that my life was going to look this way. You gave me these desires and these dreams. 
You said that you delight in these dreams. Look at my life now. It's been three years. It's been 10 years. It's been 20 years. By now I should be somewhere else. Verse 12. I have learned in every situation contempt. I have, he says this. <laughs> oh, man, I love this. I love this. He says, I have learned, verse 12, I have learned the secret. Everyone say secret. I have learned this, the secret. I wish, I wish like, you know, the Bible, like, you know, emphasize things. I've learned the secret. There's a secret. Things that most of us don't know the secret. I've learned the secret of facing plenty, prosperity, good times, and the secret of facing hard times. I've learned the secret of abundance and the secret of dealing with when you're begging for, for a morsel of bread. I've learned how to deal with that. There's a secret to this thing. The key part of this entire part of Scripture is I have learned. <laughs> I'm going to get an amen from this corner in a second, right here. These guys are going to have a Pentecostal moment in a second, preparing y'all. I have learned. I, I, I hate learning. I can't, st I hate learning. Anybody love learning? I hate you. Can you please leave right now? Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. We haven't done offering yet. Don't leave. <laughs> I'm just kidding, all right. I, I, was, I was in the office the other day, and, and Stephanie Wallace, who's um, uh, serving greatly in our church, was, was uh, in her office and knocked on the door like, hey, how's it going? She's like, she, she had that face of, like, excitement. She's like, I'm going back to grad school. And I'm like, Why? She's like, I just love learning. She has all these textbooks that she's reading. I'm doing, I love doing research. I'm like, okay, I'll leave you to it. Weirdo, weirdo. Weirdo. Now, the thing is, the truth is, is that people who are close to me will know that if there's a course out there, who's taking it? If there's a, if there's a seminar, I'm going. Even if I went to the one last year, I'm going again. I love, I love the, I love information. I'm the guy. Last week, I, ha I spent five hours or three hours on on YouTube watching a documentary on publishing deals in the record industry. I'm never going to use that information. Never. But I enjoyed it. I was like, man, this is fascinating stuff. I'm enjoying this. Like, and you know, like how one video leads to another video, and then three hours later, like, wow, where did the time go? That was amazing. I, I, so, so I, I love learning, but I hate learning. Here, here's how we hate learn, learning, Jillian. Have you ever, like, gone through a, a, an epic fail? Like, like, you failed. Like, you just, like, it was, you stuffed everything up. 
And then a nice, well-meaning Christian comes along beside you, and they're like, well, what did God teach you through the process? And you're like, I want to slap you. Why do all Christians talk like that? Because reading a case study, studying theory is one thing, but the true teaching of a theory takes place when you go through the process and you become the case study. And that type of learning is painful. (laughs) Real life learning is hard. It's difficult. It, it's, it's a pro- I, I remember being in college. I was a business major in college, and I, I took a class on entrepreneurship. And that was, that was like the one class I was looking forward to the entire year. I'm like, I can't wait for entrepreneurship. I looked at the, like, you know, the, the class description. We'll be looking at the life of, 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 of Steve Jobs and, and Bill Gates and all these people. I was like, oh, I cannot wait to get into this class to learn about entrepreneurship. First question, first day of class. Sir, how many businesses have you started Oh, well, I've never actually owned a business, but I'm here as your professor. Immediately, guess who tuned out? Why are you teaching entrepreneurship and you can't even spell it? I take that back. Most real entrepreneurs don't know how to spell entrepreneur. But those who teach it and have never done it know how to spell it. I told you this is my amen corner over here. Matt's all usually conservative in church today. He's like, yes! <laughs> I've literally invested thousands of dollars that I've seen return back on, if I can fully measure it. Thousands of dollars in coaches, consultants, and teachers and courses. Thousands. I've gotten more of a return from that than I ever did from my college degree true story. The thing about coaches and consultants that I've learned is that they've studied many different case studies. They've, these are people who've done it. I like to learn from people who've done it. And so whenever they're looking at my situation, looking at the things I'm trying to build, I go to them like, okay, so, so what do you think about this? I'm trying to do this. I want to invest this amount of money, and it's going to do this. Here's my design. Here's the, here's the flow, the process of my funnel. These are the steps I'm going to do. Here's, my, here's what's going to happen on the back end. I get all these things tightened up, and, and here's all the research I've done on, on, the, on the demographic, the niche that I'm trying to go after. And they're like, okay, okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. And I'm like, so what do you think? What do you think? What do you think is going to happen? What do you think my, 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 uh, my uh, KPI should be? My key performance indicators should look like? What's, what's my conversion rate going to look like if I've done all these things? I've tweaked it. I followed your course. I went to your website, and I saw that you did this, this, and that. I saw your sales copy. What do you think if I just put that into my thing? And you know what these gurus, these consultants, and these coaches say to you? Test everything. <laughs> Test everything. Why? Because everything is just theory until you learn it. I have learned. What Paul is saying is that I had to go through it in order to get it. (laughs) You won't know that God is good until you've had a bad situation happen to you. You won't know that God is a provider until you have to face lack. 
You won't know that he's, I mean, seriously, when you think about all the names of God in the Old Testament, they're based on experiences that people had with him. And because they went through the experience, then they could say, he is Jehovah Jireh. See, the thing is that most of us say Jehovah Jireh is his name, but you've never been in a situation where you're like, I don't know how this bill is going to be paid. I don't know where we're going to get food to feed the babies. And then he shows up. And then that moment, you're like, I know God in a different way than I've ever known him before. You've never known that God is truly, oh, man, I remember, we, I grew up in a church where you have church mothers. Yeah, you guys remember church mothers, you know, you, all right, you went to Harvest, you don't know anything about church mothers. All right, okay. Those of you, we had church mothers growing up. Church mothers were the old ladies who wore white and they gave kids candy. That's, that was like their ministry was candy. Like, Come here, young man, let me just some candy, you know. It's like, where do they get all this stash of candy, man? Right? Or they'll give you a quarter. Anybody ever had church mother give you quarters? Right, that's right. Dion knows what I'm talking about. And, and somewhere in the service, I'll say, Sister Mary has something to say. And Sister Mary would stand up and she'd say, won't he do it? Won't he do it? And you're sitting in church saying, what will he do? What, what exactly is he trying to do? Like, is it going to happen to me? Because I, I don't want to be like you. And like, won't he? And then she breaks out in song. It's like the weirdest song. It's the day that you brought your friend Timmy from school to church with you. And you're just like, you know, sweating bullets. Like, oh, no, no, it's going to be that service today. And Sister Mary's like, won't he do it? church is going nuts and you're just kind of like I, I don't want him to do anything not today Jesus not today please keep it Baptist not Bapticostal <laughs> but the thing is that sister Mary had to experience something to know that he did it he will do it y'all following me this morning oh yeah I took some of y'all back back to Kojic or somewhere <laughs> Missionary Baptist somewhere. <laughs> Hello, somebody. He won't know that he'll bless you until you've experienced curse in your life. You won't know that he'll provide a way of escape. There's no temptation that's come on a man that is not, what, is it, what does the verse say? It's not common to man. But God is faithful and with the temptation will provide a way of escape that you may, this is the part you forget to quote, that you may endure it. That means that he sometimes lets you stay in that place of temptation to endure it. It says, when man closes a door, God opens a window. But there's hell in the hallway that you have to endure. And you'll never know that he's faithful to get you out of being trapped until you've been in that hallway of hell. I have learned. This Christian walk cannot be audited. When I was in college, I audited some classes. They're like, well, if you audit the class, you, you can attend the class, you can go to the lecture, but you don't have to do the coursework or, or take any tests. Sign me up. And then when you're at the end of the semester and they're looking at your credits to graduate and they're like, 
yeah, you audited this class, meaning that you don't get any credit to go towards your graduation. In other words, they're saying, you took the theory of the class, but you didn't take the tests. So therefore, you learned nothing. Am I helping you this morning? Test everything. Test everything. I wish I wish we'd go to God and say, God, I want to be like Paul, who can say that I may know him in the power of his resurrection to take fellowship in his suffering. What, what Paul is saying, Matt, he's saying, God, test everything in my life. I want to learn you. I want to learn what it's like to be in you. And in order to know you, I must allow you to take me through the valley of the shadow of death so that I know that you're a shepherd in those valleys. I want to know that you are a God that is there to lift my head up so I'll allow those situations to take place in my life. The reason why the Apostle Paul, this is where I get excited. I really get excited about this. I, I get super excited. He says, I have learned, meaning anything that you have to learn is something that did not come natural. I have, I have three kids, one on the way. What I've learned about, about people is that pooping and peeing and eating is natural. That's it. Everything else requires process. It requires drive and, amb- and ambition. When all my kids started, I'd be the worst parent ever. If the moment that my kids start walking, taking those few steps and they fall down, and, and I, how, any of you, any parents, how many times did your kids start making an attempt to walk? Do, do, do you remember? Was it five times? Twenty times? How many steps? Like, you know what, Timmy, I'm giving you 100 steps. And if you don't get 100 steps correct, just, just be lame the rest of your life. Just lay down. We'll carry you. We don't, we don't treat our kids that way. We're encouraged. Like, this, this is just part of the process. You're going to fall down a few times, Derek. You're gonna fall. Keep, keep it up. Keep it up. You go, and you're proud of them. You're even celebrating that. They t- oh, they only took eight steps. My God. You're going on Instagram. Look. Look. took eight steps. Ah. My kid's a genius. He said, Baba. He's learning to talk. Obviously, he said. I used to hate parents like that. Now I'm that guy. I'm that guy now. I'm going on Instagram. Look at my son. He knows how to scare. I'm proud. I'm like, look at that. Jazz singer. His name is Jazz. Then you, get, you become adults, and you fall down one time, two times, and you're like, I'm giving up. You tried five times, been on seven dates, like, you know what, I'm, I'm just done. I'm just done. Learning means that it, it, it doesn't come natural. It, it, going, learning contentment because you're a Christian does not come naturally because you became a Christian. You have to go through the process and learn these things. It's not, inclu- it's not like, you know, oh, you're a Christian. We're going to send you an email 
that tells you that you're a Christian, and in the attachment, you get joy, peace, and love, and all the fruit of the Spirit attached to it. None of those things, none of those things come as an attachment to your Christianity. It doesn't. I, I, I was, um, <laughs> I went to a coffee shop yesterday because it was one of those days where I had a lot to do. And uh, I was like, if I go to the office, there's going to be people there, and I won't get anything done. If I go home, kids are going to want to play. I got to go to a coffee shop where I don't know anyone. So I went to this one coffee shop. I'm like, do you guys have Wi-Fi? Like, yes, we have Wi-Fi. Our Wi-Fi code is I love coffee. I was like, thank you. When I sat down, I type in I love coffee. Wrong. Like, oh, I need to capitalize the I. I love coffee. Wrong. I capitalize all the words. Wrong. I go back after being frustrated. I'm like, ma'am, I typed in I love coffee, and it's not working. Oh, the O's are actually zeros. Oh. Got it. I love L zero. Got it. Coffee. Oh, the old coffee. Perfect. Wrong. Maybe I need to capitalize. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Like a dummy. I tried putting the zeros for O's and it still didn't work. Oh, the E's are actually threes. No problem. I love coffee, make the E's. Love has an E, coffee, okay, those are threes. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Finally, I'm like, forget it. I'm just going to use the Wi-Fi, the, the, uh, my phone is a personal hotspot. Mad. Never coming to this coffee shop again. Later on in the day, we went to a friend's house for dinner, and, you know, there's that, always that part of the conversation where it's boring. You're like, let me go to Facebook and see what's happening in the rest of the world. But I look at my phone and there's no bars. I have no service. I'm like, why do you live in Timbuktu where there's no service? How do you do life out here? So I ask him, do you have a, do you have a Wi-Fi code? He's like, yeah, I do, but it's a long, complicated code. I don't have it memorized. I don't even know what it is. Like, and so I'm like, uh, what kind of phone do you have? He's like, I have an Apple. I'm like, really? Is it updated to you? He's like, yeah, it's updated. I was like, all right, just turn your phone on and I'm going to find your your Wi-Fi, and sure enough, the Apple phones now communicate with each other, and immediately, I didn't even need to go look for a code. I didn't have to go Z, capital Q, hashtag sign, two, three, X, Y, Z, some encrypted code. I didn't have to do all that. It was just automatic. Don't you wish your Christian life was automatic like that? Because I know God isn't into Apple. It's an Apple user, Right? Most of us think that Christianity automatically approves fruit in your life. Automatically gives you contentment. Paul is saying you have to learn the secret. You have to learn the secret. You can't audit Christianity. You have to learn the secret. You have to go beyond theory of who he is and how he's working in your life. You have to actually go through it. So what's the secret? The secret of joy in any circumstance. He gives it to us in the most misquoted verse in Scripture, in the New Testament at least. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We use it as a scripture of like when you're facing an obstacle, guess what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he isn't talking. Do you really think that God gave us that word so that we can make a free throw shot? Do you really think that? Do you think that he gave us all that in that one sentence? No, he gave that to us. He's talking to us so that we can learn to be content in all things. That you can cope with everything. All life circumstances can be dealt with. That you can handle it. This is a remarkable part of scripture. Paul, at this point, is discouraged, but he's not disappointed. I'll say it again. You didn't get it. You can be discouraged, but don't be disappointed. He's saying, I'm discouraged, but I'm not bitter. I've had some downturn in my life, but I still dream. I mean, you read the book of Philippians. This is a man who's talking about joy and, 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 and wanting the best for you. Most of us, if we're in his circumstances, we'd be talking about how bad things are for us. It tells us that Paul is still dreaming for bigger, dreaming for God who can move. The thing is that whenever we face disappointment, discouragement, and our ambitions are taken from us, there are several things that we do. Number one, we try to pay God back. This is going to be fun. We try to pay God back. Fine, God. You do you, I'll do me. Will will that make you happy? I'm just not going to try anymore with people. I'm not going to try anymore in ministry. I'm not going to try anymore on the job. I'm not going to try anymore in this marriage. I'm just going to do me. Because every time I try to make an attempt... Hello. Since you're not giving me what you promised me, I'm just going to keep it low key. Second thing we try to do is we, we, we go into self-protection mode. Oh, yeah, you, you, some of you are really good at doing the self-protection mode. I just won't let myself be disappointed anymore. I, I just, I'm just not going I'm not, I'm not to do it. I'm, I'm not going to aim at anything because I don't want to be disappointed anymore. I have a friend. Uh, my, my brother-in-law started a podcast, which you should all download. It's called Win by Design. Win by Design. Our friend Ryan Murphy, he's somewhere in here, he's probably serving with the kids, says he's starting his own podcast called Lose by Choice. <laughs> hey, you can win by design or you can lose by choice. Because when you decide, that, hey, I'm just not going to try anymore, you've made a choice. And you're going to lose, but you made the choice to lose. Right? And it's funny, but most of us live there. That's where we live. We tried, we failed. We took seven steps and couldn't walk it out. So we just lay down. We'll just sit down for the rest of our life. Not going to get involved in relationships with people. Not going to get involved in trying again. We're not going to dream anymore. We're not going to do any of these things anymore because we've been disappointed in our ambition And what it tells us is that that ambition never came from God. It came from you. Paul is disappointed. But 
he has not given up on his dreams. You can face disappointment without disillusionment. You can be sad without despairing. You can be hungry, yet live with less. Are you getting this? That's what he's saying. I can do all things. I can be hungry or I can be full. I'm good. Good. I can be rich and I can be poor and I'm good. I'm good. Paul wants to be able to be preaching to a larger audience. This is the Apostle Paul. Two-thirds of the New Testament written by him. He, he has a large platform. And yet he has to preach in the latter times of his years to one person, his prison guard. He said it at the very beginning. Did, can I take you there real quick? I just want to go there. First service didn't get this. You guys are getting the bonus lesson. I want you to know, this is what Paul says. I have learned in every situation. I want you to know, chapter 1, verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that, so that it has become known throughout the entire imperial guard to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. I'm chained up to this guy, but I preach to him. When his shift is over, I preach to that guy. And now they've rotated the entire imperial guard, and I've only had one audience. But guess what? I'm impacting Rome. And some of you are discouraged because nobody wants to hear your song, even on YouTube. Can God trust you with a platform of none? To give you a platform of one? Can he? See, the thing is that Paul is not sitting in prison right now brooding over this one question by now God after I've planted a church in Ephesus and Galatia and, and all these places and Thyatira and, and all these places that people Peter didn't go there John didn't go there all the other apostles stayed in Jerusalem but I went I left what was comfortable and I did the unknown and by now I should be getting rewarded and recognized but instead they're running my name in the in the mud God what's wrong God by now, I should not be in this circumstance. God, what's wrong with me? What did I do wrong? What's wrong with you? What did you do wrong? What happened to all your promises? What happened to the head, not the tail? Because I feel like the tail right now, God. Paul is not brooding over that. Brooding is an old English term for what you say in modern day times. It's also a B word, but I won't say it. He's not tripping out over his circumstances. He's not going to every... This is what we do. <laughs> oh, man, this is good. I wish you'd get this. Aaron, shave your mustache. Praise God. Um, 
to help you there. I want to help you there. I want to help you here. I'm going to help you with this. This is very, very important. I want you to, I want you to fully understand this. The reason why people have a problem with your ambition, I want you to get this, fully understand this. The reason why people have problems with you. If, you, if you know that you're ambitious, you have dreams, goals, and everything, you need to get this, Dion. You're, you're a pastor, um, uh, and, and it's gonna, you're, you're going to need this in, in ministry. You need to fully understand this. The reason why is this. When you're disappointed because what you desire is not coming to pass the way that you thought it would come to pass, you take it out on people that you love. And you blame them. If only my husband would affirm me more, I would be confident in pursuing this. You know, I'm trying to build this business, Pastor, but my wife's not with me. Oh, so she's your sufficiency. Okay. You know, no, no, no one's supporting me. No one has shown up. I mean, I, I reach out to all these people. I do all these things for people. And I, I do all these things, and, and no one recognizes me. And when I'm in need, nobody shows up, Rebecca. Nobody's showing up for me. Oh, you are doing it for the recognition. That's what's being revealed here. You are doing it for all these other reasons. This had nothing to do with God. It, it had to do with everything and using God to advance your platform. I get it. Take, husbands will take it out on their wives. Family members will take it out on their brothers and sisters. On your circle of friends. How you handle disappointment is the test of whether your ambitions are selfish or godly. How you handle disappointment is the test of whether your ambition is selfish or godly. How do you handle it when you make a million? And how do you handle it when you have nothing? How do you handle it when you're single and not married and you want to be married? How do you handle it when you are? How do you handle it when you get into the program? How do you handle it when they kick you out? Do you get mad at God? Do you give up on your dreams? Do you despair about yourself? What Paul is trying to say is that your ambition must be rooted in Christ. I'll say it again. Your ambition must be rooted in Christ. Are you following me? I'm almost done, but I want you to get the last few moments here because this is the, the critical part that you need to understand. The text says, I have learned the secret. Let's lean in and get the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The problem with that statement is that all throughout the book of Philippians, and pretty much all that Paul writes about, he's always writing about being found 
in Christ, right? To be in Christ, to live is Christ. We talked about that when we first started the message, right? The series. He says, rejoice through the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Is that what he says? No. Pay attention. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Spent hours of research trying to figure out why they translated this verse to I can do all things through Christ when the original language has connotations that the word should be I can do all things in Christ. Because that changes everything. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. If I'm single, but I'm in Christ, come on. If I'm married, but I'm in Christ, what's the common denominator? I'm in Christ. If I am rich, but I am in Christ, life is good. If I am poor, in the poorhouse, getting government cheese, but I'm in Christ, life is amazing. As long as I am in Christ, that is the common denominator. That is the moderator for my life. That is the constant for my life. As long as I am in Christ, I have learned that in every situation, I am content. Why? Because I am in Christ. I'm rooted. My joy is found in Christ. My contentment is in Christ. My, my happiness is in Christ. Circumstances change. Jobs come. Money comes. Money goes. Job goes. The dude you met on Craigslist will come into your life and he'll leave your life. But if you're in Christ, that's the constant. My sufficiency. That's what he says. He says, I can, so, so let's do it. I can do all things where? In Christ who strengthens me. The word strengthens there is speaking about the sufficiency of where you get the power from. If you're in Christ, the strength is coming from without or is it coming from within? Are you following me? The sufficiency is not based, Maria, on my ability. It's not based on my charm. It's not based on my my witty assumptions and everything else that I can do. It's not based on my strength. It's based on someone who's way more sufficient than my husband, my wife, the job, my boss, my clients, my church members. My sufficiency is not based on what your opinion is. My sufficiency is in his strength. Are you getting this? The circumstances will never dictate my joy. Circumstances will never be the barometer as to whether or not I am content. My joy is fueled because where I'm rooted it's in Christ. Ongoing fuel for my journey is sufficient because the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of me. The problem is that some of us still trying to operate life just tapping into Christ as opposed to being in Christ so I'm going to pray right now you could be a Christian however long you've been a Christian and you know deep down you've been doing things not in Christ 
been based on selfish ambition and today we repent. Maybe you're not a Christian and you know where that's led you. But today God's spoken to you. And today we, we repent and we give our life over to Christ. God, we, we, we thank you. We, we give our life to you. We turn it over to you, Lord. No longer will the, will the things of this world be the barometer, the scale at which we, we measure our contentment. No longer will it be based on the square footage in our home or the degrees behind our name or the money in our account. No longer will it be based on how many people follow us on Twitter. No longer will it be based on how the economy is doing. No longer will it be based on which political party is in office. No longer will it be based on the friends that called me and the friends that didn't call me when I was in trouble. No longer will it be based on things that are outside because you are on the inside. Fill us right now. We take you in. Take residency in our life. Take residency in our motives and in our ambitions so that if things go bad, we're still joyful and content because it's all for you, in you, and through you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a great big hand of praise if you receive this word. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. We'd love to stay connected with you. Find us on Facebook and on Instagram at Relevant Riverside. We hope you have a great week.